that they would have to buy in. To buy in. If you qualify, are you, are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Being, so while Bernie wrote the bill, I read the bill. Let's be clear. I, I've actually never met anybody who likes their health insurance company. For a socialist, you got a lot more confidence in corporate America than I do. Now, now I am Asian, so I know a lot of doctors. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. Hey, Joe. Instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. I remember President Trump scoffed and said he'd like to see me making a deal with Xi Jinping. I'd like to see him making a deal with Xi Jinping. We must and will defeat Trump, the most dangerous president in the history of this country. And now, President Trump, you can go back to watching Fox News. Kamala Harris is kind of the queen of the canned line delivered in a way that makes it so evident that she had that locked and loaded for delivery. That, hey, Joe, how about yes, we can. Oh, it gives me the oogies just hearing her say that. Anyway, uh, a little debate talk. Welcome to the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Dietrich, who's a nonpartisan political analyst and friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show for many years. How are you, Gary? Hey, man, good to be here. You know, I, I do have one housekeeping detail to take care of before we get into Kamala Harris and everybody else. Because you dropped on air yesterday. I happened to be walking the yellow lab, and I heard, Jack, and a reference to my esteemed institution of higher learning come out of your mouth at 6.58 a.m., and I will not, of course, name it. Wow, but so you, you've been here for 30 seconds, and you've worked in that you went to Harvard. No. That's where you've been. You I was slamming it under. This payout's going to be huge for me. You did. And I said, I, said, I, I, I don't think I introduced the topic, but... Uh, Yesterday at 6.58 a.m., I won't say the, the esteemed institution of higher learning not to be named, and I felt... There's my vindication. Finally, I wasn't in studio and it got mentioned. Go ahead. Oh, boy. So what's uh, give me like your one overview sentence from last night um, before we get into particulars. Well, Joe Biden survived the onslaught. He needed to do that. Uh, and I'm not sh- and, and it's clear to me now that strategy wise, Elizabeth Warren is not going to take on Joe Biden directly at this juncture of the campaign. She's going to let others on the stage do that. And try to pick up the pieces, which may not be a bad strategy. Well, that's what everybody's strategy was with Trump. Nobody was going to take him on on the debate stage because he just kind of assumed he was going to collapse of his own weight at some point. And well, she's, there's plenty of others on the stage, obviously, willing to take swings at him. True. I mean, noticeably Castro this time around. But you know, it's interesting to me, Jack. I, 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 I felt like overall, Biden's, three hours is too long. That's yeah, what I well, felt that, like overall. That, that, there's this. I mean, Good how many Lord. how many Americans stayed for the full three hours? You know? I, I'll bet it's a ton, I'll bet it's less than a million. And watched you know, the whole three hours. And if you think about that, Jack, that is what. Um, Which is good for Joe Biden because his last couple of answers were a tired old man rambling. Yeah, I got to tell you, if there was one answer out of the entire evening that to me was the least comprehensible. And and I, I when it came up, I said I'm going to listen to this very carefully and do my very best to follow it. It was Biden's answer on on the Iraq and, and, and Iran situation. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. It was so convoluted. Right. It was so I did vote this way, but I did vote. It was one of those I first voted for it and then against it. I mean, it was. And he was, talked about dividing Afghanistan into three places, which is actually his policy on Iraq. And it, it, it just, went on and on and on. And I, I it was so muddled that, honestly, I don't think a policy expert could have followed well, it. Well, no, and then I've got a written version of his next answer, was, which was the one about reparations and everything, and he started talking about turning on the phonograph and the TV, and, and then the president of Venezuela is like, "Where? what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a print version of that, and it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. So I, I thought he was pretty strong early on, 
And um, and I thought, okay, he's he's in decent shape. He's gonna. I'm back to thinking he's gonna be the nominee. Those last two answers, I thought, if he gives an answer like that, standing next to Donald Trump with you know 60 million people watching, yeah, and Trump has an opportunity to say, whoa, did anybody follow that? You know, on a national stage, that 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 could be pretty rough. In a weird way, don't you think the Castro attack though actually helped Biden because it looked like. You're unfairly taking the guy on, right? Well, didn't you just say two minutes ago? I mean, you know, that to me didn't serve Castro well, and I thought it actually helped Biden with sort of a sympathetic, you know, uh, response to everybody's waiting for the Biden moment. Castro tried to jump the shark, and, you know, I just felt like that didn't serve Castro well. Um, Joe Biden, uh, Colin Bernie, a socialist, I thought was interesting. I thought that, we that clip we just played right yeah. now, I think it's really interesting. Well, for a socialist, you're awfully cozy <laughs> up to the corporate interest. <laughs> yeah. you know, he's probably been waiting a long time to say that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. But, but you know, he doesn't, the thing about Biden is he doesn't come across like he's got all these canned answers in his pocket. And some people say he probably can't remember them all anyway. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, his, uh, the, the, the final question, and I, I liked the final question of what's, you know, what's a, a hurdle you had to overcome? What's the, the biggest setback you've had right. and you had to overcome? I thought Biden's, you know, story about losing, you know, the kids in a car wreck and his son to cancer, I thought that was really good stuff. You know, that's, that's an excellent point because I was listening also on the way in. You know, that answer was, Hillary couldn't come within a thousand miles of a moment like that. Yeah, right, right. And so that helps him a lot, obviously, on the Iraq situation. And then I, I listened on the way in. Castro's response about automatic weapons, to me, was probably the most authentic moment of the entire debate. And I, I think his policy is not going to be a, a majority favorite, but it, it was it was a real. It didn't come off as a politician. Yeah, to me, it was the it was literally Jack the best response I've heard from any political figure on why they are going to take dramatic action on automatic mm. weapons. Again, like you say, there'll be a lot of people that on a policy perspective disagree with it, but that was as well-placed and well-put a position defense as I've ever heard on that. And for a lot of people, the way he shared that is going to resonate, especially in light of what's been happening in our country is, the is, last 10 years. Is it a three-person race? I mean, is there really any reason to talk about anybody other than Biden, Bernie, and Elizabeth? Well, I think there is, and you and I over years have had this conversation the summer before a presidential year. It, it is so interesting, the dynamic of these races, because the, the polls can be stuck. I mean, you, know, you go back and just think at Bernie and Hillary. Bernie at this time in 2016, 2015, was at 5%. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That is and amazing. And he came, as you well know, a reasonably close hair's breadth from getting that nomination. And some would say, and his people would say, absent the DNC, he might have. Right. So there's so much dynamism in a race like this and so much opportunity in the next six to nine months for people to really stumble over themselves that I think it's way too early to make any definitive declarations. I was, well, I was watching the, the the spin room last night, and like two people that are way down in the polls, Amy Klobuchar, who's you know she got, she her national polling is like point nine percent. She had got one lucky national poll that got her over the two percent average uh, to get her in. I, and I was watching her in the spin room. She sounds like a real presidential candidate. Yeah, she's a very normal and really sharp on the policy sort of person. Why don't people like that? some people like that, they just don't catch on. Is it just personality or looks, or what is it? Well, I think for for one thing, she's got a giant, deep, upper Midwest Minnesota, I'm a U.S. senator, hole to dig herself out of, right? In other words, before this enterprise, this effort in the presidential contest, who knew of Amy Klobuchar? 
unless you're a real insider politically. Right. But I thought last night was by far her best That's a good point. She had zero name recognition. Right. And I think that's a big hole to dig yourself out of to begin with. I think last night helped her a lot in that. And it's clear she has now positioned herself as the moderate alternative in this race. And the, uh, Rahm Emanuel, uh, the chief of staff for, for Obama, is regularly talking about there's a lane of 50% of the party that nobody's addressing. Yes. Biden kind of does. 50% of Democrats got no candidate. And she's trying to be that person. Her opening line about, I want to be president for the whole country, not just half the country. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and, and so... You know, as people get closer, particularly particularly if Biden seems to falter, the people that want that sort of a non-progressive voice are going to be looking for an alternative. She's clearly positioning herself as that. Let's, not, let's go way back and remember, Bill Clinton found that lane, too. And he was a lowly governor of Arkansas that nobody had heard of. But he said, you know, I can work with both sides. And he finally prevailed in that. Now, you know, I think she right now is basically waiting in the wings to see if Biden's support, you know, because are Biden people going to go to Bernie and Warren? Probably not. No. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I got a question about that. Do, 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 does Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, do they have to get the other one to get out of the can't get out of the race? Is that going to become the game? And I want to talk a little bit about this health care thing. It's the number one issue in America, according to most of the polls, and they, they all got their plans. Can you stick around for a few minutes? or you have Yes, to go? I can. <laughs> Fantastic. With Gary Dietrich. And we'll let you tell people what your deal is, what your website is, and, and how they can get all your info. Gary Dietrich, nonpartisan political analyst, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is why presidential debates are becoming unwatchable. This reminds everybody of what they cannot stand about Washington. Scoring points against each other, poking at each other, and telling each other that that you're my plan, your plan. Look, we all. That's called a Democratic primary election. That's called an election. That's an election. You know, this is what we're here for. It's an election. Okay, where do I start with that? They've got to get rid of the crowds in these debates. I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, that's really fun. But the crowds, God, they're always on the side of the most extreme of whichever party you're watching. And it's so unfair to the people that are closer to the middle, which is where most of America is. So Mayor Pete's trying to make the argument that these food fights and dividing is all bad. And yet got Castro, who is an asshat, and maybe the most unliked person on the stage after last night, uh, trying to make it. No, that's the game. That's what we're playing. Toughen up. Oh, shut up. You phony. You know who joined us this morning? Gary Dietrich, old friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. He's a uh, nonpartisan political analyst. And tell us about what your thing is before we get into analysis of last night's Right. Debate. Well, I3 Inspire, Inform, Involve is the name of our, our nonprofit. And we do a lot of things. One of the things uh, I'll just say, if people want to check out a project going into hurricane season, fire season, our Safely Out project, which you're familiar with, I would just encourage people to check out to make sure the vulnerable can be safely evacuated during disasters. And, of course, I do all the political stuff, too. Right. Awesome. Um, well, you just played a Mayor Pete clip there. I was, I was watching him on the uh, the uh, the spin room stuff last night. The two people that stood out as, like, really reasonable, thoughtful, normal people, Amy Klobuchar and, uh, and Mayor Pete, both of them really struggling in the polls, so... I don't know what that means, how that works. It doesn't translate to to 
the big stage or to get numbers for some reason. Well, maybe some of the same things we talked about about Klobuchar do apply to Mayor Pete in that, you know, the upper Midwest, more soft-spoken. Interesting. Look at those two personalities. You're kind of a Midwest guy, so you're going to get mm-hmm. this. They're not bombastic, right? That's not who they are. They're not bomb throwers. I will tell you this. In an interesting dynamic, we were talking about this during the break with Sean, right? Here's the youngest guy on the stage. In some ways, Mayor Pete comes across to me as the adult in the room. Yes. Regularly, he is like the, okay, let's settle down and then be adults about this. And the way he addresses things is so clear. You know, I mean, his answers are probably, in my view, some of the most thoughtful, clear, reasoned, you know, impassioned, yes, but not, there's no gotcha moments in him typically, you know. And, and I think that's his appeal. He's raising a lot of money, as I said. But the the problem is he has not yet caught fire nationally. I'm not exactly sure why. But you wonder who's going to capture the younger demographic this time around. Famously, Obama grabbed it. Last time around, it was Bernie's bailiwick. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's Bernie's lane anymore. So can Pete mobilize that group? Let's see. So does Biden just cruise along through these debates uh, trying to avoid a, a really big screw-up? Uh, continue to be roughly double digits ahead, you know, win state by state and just end up the nominee. I mean, that sure looks like where we're going. Yeah, but, you know, some of these early states are going to have a lot to say about that. You know, let's say he doesn't win Iowa. Let's say he doesn't win New Hampshire. I mean, there's people that this time around are really working those states hard. He's got a natural disadvantage in New Hampshire to begin with because Bernie and Warren, that's their turf, right? And also in Iowa, you know, there's been a lot of people putting a lot of effort. And then, he, and then in California, a huge state, which Harris is working hard, and Sanders has real deep organizational roots in. Let's just say the VP doesn't catch a first place in any of those early states. He's going to look exceedingly vulnerable. Are they going to have to clean up their early debates at some point? They didn't get into a couple of these topics last night, but they still have. I mean, the video is still out there. The Republicans are going to run it to death of the... Free health care for illegals. There's no such thing as being illegal anymore. That stuff. Are they going to have to clean that up at some point, or are they actually going to run on that? Well, you can't burn the tapes. I mean, what's out there is out there, you know. And whether it's there, you know how this goes. That is so so far away from being a majority win. I mean, it's not even close. Well, the thing about it is, you know how it goes. Especially, it seems like in this time around when the progressive wing has really flexed its muscle. You know, in the to win a Democratic primary, famously, you have to go to the left. Then once you get to that place next summer, what do you do? You begin to move towards the middle. Yeah, you right? can't move from the you move to the middle off of I believe illegals should get free health care. Well, and see that's going to be the challenge this time around. They're going to play that. I don't care who the nominee is. No, I didn't mean. I meant they shouldn't get free health care. I misspoke. I mean, how do you clean that up? You're not going to. And and hey, look, Trump's already been already been blowing that horn right now, right? Look at, I mean, you know, Cortez, Cortez, this is the party you're going to be looking at versus me. I mean, they're going to beat that drum hard between now and November next year. I've, I've struggled to come up with that. We're talking with Gary Dietrich, nonpartisan political analyst we've had on the show for years. I've struggled to come up with a, like, right-wing equivalent of something as far out there as free health care for illegals. I mean, I don't know what it would be. I mean, that, that's really extreme. Well, the closest you see you come on a regular basis in the Democratic world is the NRA and the Republicans don't want to do, quote, unquote, anything about gun control. You know, it's like don't want to deal with anything about magazines, don't want to deal with anything right. about. You know, that That is the closest equivalent I see out there in the debate. Do you think that, there, that there's a moment for guns? Uh, I heard some discussion on this on the, the Trump hating channels last night that maybe this is going to be an issue like gay marriage that moves really fast when you hit a, a tipping point, the gun issue. 
Oh, I, I think we're moving in that direction. I don't think there's any question. But so it, something's going to happen. Oh, I, I think something is going to happen because you can only have so many El Pasos and Gilroy's. Right. I mean, you, you can only have so many. And, and I think that that is mounting. How about a mandatory buyback, which is confiscation? That one, I think, is a lot more far-fetched than mandatory. I mean, all the other things that you know people talk about. Mandatory uh, registration, D D D D D. You know, no, no uh, big clips for guns. I mean, mandatory buyback is mandatory buyback is probably not the tipping point. Yeah, I think Trump triangulates in the you know the famous Clinton way of uh, he he backs red flag laws or background checks right. or something that has ninety percent approval, takes the issue away from him, and yeah, I think I think the president's going to do something. I I think there's going to be. Massive pressure to do something in the next couple of years, more than has been done. Gary Dietrich, political analyst, joining us this morning. And what's your website? Uh, I3, Inspire Informative All. Just I3, I-3, I3. No, just I... Because I don't want to accidentally end up on porn. Thank you. I3, <laughs> I3inspire.org or safelyout.org if you want to find out about our Safely Out project. Fantastic. Appreciate you coming by this morning. Hey, good to be here, Jack. Always good. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, the Biden-Castro fallout continues today. We've got... Is Castro in- still lying and claiming he wasn't taking an AIDS shot? We've got impeachment rules now in place and some amazing uh, information about our universe. Coming up. Awesome. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got some ratings info, which helps justify talking about the debate so much. It did get pretty good ratings. 23% rise over the Biden-Sanders night two debate back in June. In fact, the ABC debate could top 15 million and maybe beat the overall Dems debate record once the Univision numbers are factored in. So... Uh, pretty decent ratings, you know, put in the perspective of the kind of ratings these things get. Right. Uh, news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, Joe Biden is the most tweeted about candidate in last night's debate, and Julian Castro's attack on Biden, the most tweeted about moment. While talking about health care, Castro charged that under Biden's plan, people who want Medicare would have to buy in or opt in. Biden responded, that wasn't true. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. to buy in. If you qualify for Are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? I mean, I can't believe that you said two minutes ago that they had to buy in, and now you're saying they don't have to buy You're forgetting that. See, the reason he used the word forget yep. four times yep. in 25 seconds was he was trying to make the point that this guy is old and losing it mentally. He doesn't have his faculties. That's obviously what he was doing. That's why the crowd went, ooh. But he's trying to pretend that's not what he was doing. After the debate, Castro making the rounds on CNN. He was asked about it. People on the stage came at you and was basically giving you the message, you went too low on that. Do you regret it? Uh, no, because we had a disagreement about health care. You can disagree about health care a lot of different ways. You made a crack about him not having a good memory about it. No, what I said was that he had just said uh, the words buy-in, and then he denied saying the words buy-in. So I said, look, did you forget that two minutes ago you just said that you would have to buy-in? Why, <laughs> Why do you think they said that? Look... 
uh, th this was a disagreement about health care policy. Yeah, I respect the vice right. president. Okay. Uh, I think that um, he's... You so know. The, the, he's getting beaten up by a lot of people. Rahm Emanuel on ABC... Uh, Hit him with this. That moment where Secretary Castro went after Vice President Biden upset you. You say your your phone started to blow mm -hmm. up. People started to text you. What were Democrats telling you? Uh, I think uh, for Castro that was he couldn't make the point. He had a legitimate point, but it was a disqualifier the way he handled it. Second, I would say is each of these candidates had strong moments. Some with humor, some with arguments, some with the passion, energy they brought. But I thought for uh, Castro and his clothes was very good. But that was a disqualifier the way he handled it. It will come across. Is mean and vindictive, and that's not that's who the way he is. everybody read it. Everybody read it the same way, yep. and he called it a disqualifier. Rahm Emanuel was chief of staff to, uh, to Obama and probably friends with Biden, so didn't appreciate it. I'll, I guarantee the Democratic Party did. So the so the two most viral moments of all the debates so far: right. Kamala Harris trying to call call your leading candidate a racist, and uh, and Castro trying to call your leading candidate uh, out of his mind. You don't yeah. want those to be your shining moments to get the most attention. What if we don't want Joe Biden to be the leading candidate? Then you probably do. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that's what the Democratic Party is thinking. Now, the second most tweeted about candidate, businessman Andrew Yang, probably because of the offer that he made during the debate. <laughs> when you donate money to a presidential campaign, what happens? The politician spends the money on TV ads and consultants, and you hope it works out. It's time to trust ourselves more than our politicians. That's why I'm going to do something unprecedented tonight. My campaign will now give a freedom dividend of $1,000 a month for an entire year to 10 American families. Someone watching this at home right now. There you go. So that's basically a game show. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> on buying 10 votes, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I am a big believer in Yang. I like him a lot. I don't think that was a good look. So apparently that was uh, an attempt to get a mailing list. You're going to get all those people are going to go to your website hoping to be the 10. And now you got a mailing list to go after. I guess that's the point. Fewer raffles in our democracy. That's my that's my stance. I think I think next time somebody should just bring out one of those big things you turn and have a bunch of names in it. We got a name right. from everybody out there. Everybody right. in America's in this button bed. Somebody's going to get a car at the end of the raid. I'll stick my hand in here and pull out a name. Now, if you see up on the wall, we got a picture of a donkey. You'll notice that donkey has no tail. But guess what? You get to pin the tail on the donkey, and whoever pins it best gets a freedom dividend for four years. <laughs> Mayor Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> what am I listening to? It's original. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh, that was Pete's oh. response right after, because he he took a moment oh, to gather. Right. Oh, right, like, well, right, 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 right. That was something. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. So uh, if Castro was going to take a shot at Biden's age, how come he didn't go with teeth? Uh, if you haven't seen the videos or any of the still pictures, do we have those at our website, Anthony? Yeah, we'll have to get those at our website, because there are, there are still pictures and videos where Biden, I thought he had a lozenge in his mouth. I thought he was working a lozenge because you know, he has uh, talking for three hours and he's an older guy. It would appear that I have never had false teeth. Are the bottom and tops together or are they separate things? They're usually separate. It's not like the novelty chatter teeth that you wind up and put on your desk as a child. You're right. That's why I've got that in my oh, mind. Okay. Yeah. That's not what they are. No, they're not like that, Jack. Yeah. Science has, they may have been that way at one point. That's why I have it in my mind that they're attached is from the wind-up teeth. So they're not attached. Well, his top set clearly slipped out of place. Yeah. 
And there's a part in the video where you can see a big gap, and he's, like, trying to get his teeth back in place. Sorry, I can't talk. My teeth are migrating oh, on me. Oh, God. He talked so long, his teeth tried to leap out of his head. Um, but Gastro, if you're going to take an unfair shot, go with the teeth. Dude, you all right over there? Can I glue your teeth in for you, old man? That's what Castro should have said. You know, if his teeth came out, I'd like to see Biden just pick him up and start talking with him. <laughs> and we've got a... <laughs> Any way you can get a candidate to do a hand puppet thing, you're in favor of, Michael. <laughs> that is your thing. Right. Hand puppet dentures doesn't matter. <laughs> we got a new study that has found that the universe could be a couple billion years younger than scientists previously thought. Well, I'll be darned. In a study published in the journal Science, the uh, group revealed that the universe, again, may be two billion years younger. The lead uh, scientist said, we have large uncertainty for how the stars are moving in the galaxy, but what they do is they estimate the age of the universe by using the movement of the stars to measure how fast it is expanding. If the universe is expanding faster, that means it got to its current size more quickly and therefore must be relatively younger. So what are they putting it at now? The universe? Uh, the, the, I think it's 13.2 trillion years yeah, old. Yeah, the uh, generally accepted age of the universe, 13.7 billion years. So that would mean, you know what, about 11.7 billion. Okay, there so, you go. I'll adjust accordingly. There you go. You know what I learned from this past segment? What? Is that my whole life I thought dentures were connected <laughs> in the back. <laughs> I have always pictured dentures being connected, but it's because they had the wind-up thing. That's interesting. I, yeah. So it's an educational right. program is what we're running. Right. An interesting fun fact. George Washington had wooden teeth. Yeah. That's also not connected. Yes. That's your <laughs> news. It wouldn't make sense to have them connected. It'd be hard to talk. And like, where would your tongue be? <laughs> <laughs> You're discovering the problems. Yeah. 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 That's a good point, Jack. <laughs> I'm, I'm Marshall oh, Phillips on the Armstrong and Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. There's a major argument yesterday in the House about impeachment. I mean, they really got into it. Uh, Nadler's pushing through some some votes and measures on trying to make it look like impeachment, and the Republicans are saying, what the hell are you doing here? Did not come up in the debate at all last night, which shows you the disconnect you've gotten in the Democratic Party. Nancy Pelosi doesn't even want to hear the word impeachment. The um, uh, on the national stage, there's no questions about it in the debate. And even without the questions, no candidate worked it in. Every candidate had the opportunity to throw in at some point when they're bashing Trump. And I appreciate Jerry Nadler going after the, 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 the working right. toward impeachment and asking for his tax. Nobody brought that up because it doesn't pull well. Most people don't want to go down that road. Yep. So they've got a, uh, a division they got to work out there. We got others. We got some more clips from the debate. We got other things to talk about. Hope you can stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The singer of this hit song and a number of others, kind of a classic rock staple over the years, had esophageal cancer, died at the age of 70, which is not that old. When you're younger, 70 seems old. You get a little older and you realize, ah, you got you should have plenty left at age 70. But anyway, Eddie Money has passed along, and as Joe pointed out the other day, um, there's going to be a, gaz- a gazillion classic rockers pass 
in a uh, in a in a relatively short period of time when they start going because there's a there's a you know if you ever turn on the classic rock radio station a lot of those people are alive and and they're all in their seventies. Um, anyway, had a debate last night, uh, got decent ratings. It didn't do anything in terms of changing the race, so you could you could ask what the point was. Um, next hour we're going to talk to Lan He Chen, which he's one of my favorite analysts on this sort of stuff, but. We've talked uh, for quite a while how these are these are zinger fests. They regularly don't have any effect on the polls. They're not debates. I thought it was interesting. I was watching the cable news channels last night, and when the candidate would come around and sit down with the host, whether it was Brett Baer or Chris Matthews or whoever, much more interesting substantive conversation than I got out of the debate. They'd sit down and just, you know, one guy talking with a couple of questions and had five minutes to explain something. Much better. Why what? we don't do that, I don't know. You mean they could they could explain their policies better in five minutes as opposed to ninety seconds, and with and, some back and forth and, and give yeah. and take, and there'd be a little follow up and a little nuance, and it was just I saw I saw a number of candidates do that. Not the leading candidates. The leading candidates don't do that. Bernie does sometimes, but Biden didn't go on any of the, the shows, of course. And I don't think I didn't see Elizabeth Warren on any of the shows. I saw Mayor Pete Klobuchar. The people down toward the bottom, they went on the shows. You know, Andrew Yang said one of the most interesting things on. Um, on Brett Baer last night, he said that personal data is no, now worth more money than oil. It's a bigger commodity for, 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 for profit than oil. That is mind-blowing, especially if you're of the age where oil was the commodity on the planet for decades and war after war, strategy after strategy was all about protecting your chunk of oil or keeping oil at a certain price. Now your personal data is worth more than that. That's how much profit there is in your data. And, of course, he's making the argument that it belongs to us, the people, and Google shouldn't get to have it and make all that money, which I'd agree with him. Um, so late-night joke-off. We uh, various times have banned these because, well, they weren't funny. And uh, then Joe yells at me for uh, for suggesting that we play them, and he was right because they weren't funny. But since he's not here. But since he's not here, <laughs> and I've been told this one is funny, the topic being the Democratic debate, we've got a late night joke off, and we will uh, we will grade the jokes. I, I hope these are funny, Sean. <laughs> Let's do it. So that was the third Democratic debate, and I read that the candidates were all warned not to swear during the debate. And it got weird when Bernie was like, "What about nudity?" <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is the candidate most Democrats say they'd like to vote for, but the majority of Democrats think Joe Biden is the guy the country would vote for. But I don't know. I don't think it's a great idea to try to guess what other people want. That's how you wind up eating at Golden Corral. (laughs) This was actually the first time that Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren were on stage together. It was sort of like watching your grandparents. They just... They generally agree on everything, but somehow they're still constantly bickering. <laughs> you know, those are three pretty good jokes. I like if it. If the joke-offs were always like that, we, we could do it more often. I'd give the, I'd say that's two A's and a B. Of course, Corden gets downgraded to full grade God, for, being a, gets him every time. for being a foreigner, so that puts him down at a C. But that's a full A from Fallon. That's a funny joke. <laughs> what about nudity? <laughs> Oh, God, Bernie Sanders is an interesting character. Do we have our favorite gurgling clip that we've been playing all morning long? We've been mocking Bernie for being gurgly, going back to when he was running against Hillary in 16. And you'd clear your throat, dude. But this last night on the debate stage, he hit an all-time high or low, depending on how you look at it. To recognize 
that this country is moving into an oligarchic form of society where a handful of billionaires control the economic and political life of this country. Oh, my God. <laughs> is his team prepping him by making him gargle yogurt before these debates? Right. Here's some honey. <laughs> you know what would help you with the debate? Here's here's a cracker with a bunch of honey smeared on it. Yes. And some we will yogurt. raise the minimum wage to a living wage. Yes. Mm. We will finally. Uh, <laughs> there's some ranch dressing. To, that, maybe that's what he does for for a beverage. To quench his thirst, he drinks ranch dressing. <laughs> Just drinks straight buttermilk. <laughs> but, um, that's hard to listen to. So my wife immediately, she's, she's messing around on her phone. We were watching that, and she brought up a, a video of the Pinocchio movie, where Pinocchio's in, like, in the river and running underwater. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sounds just like Bernie Sanders. It's a sick enough. God, that's gross. It always makes me clear my throat when I hear him do that. And, yes, we will address the catastrophic crisis of climate change and transform oh our God. energy system. God, if he brought that thing up, that thing would have rights. I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's a living beast you got in your throat there. Oof. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed. We have we played the long version of this. Uh, I don't believe we have yet. Let's play debate one. I thought I thought this was pretty good. Um, both the. The commentary about the health care plans and, and Biden's shot. Look, everybody says we want an option. The option I'm proposing is a Medicare for all, in a Medicare for choice. If you want Medicare, if you lose the job from your insurance company, from your employer, you automatically can buy into this. You don't have no pre-existing condition can stop you from buying in. You get covered, period. And if you notice, nobody's yet said how much it's going to cost the taxpayer. I hear this, large savings. The president thinks, uh, my friend from Vermont thinks that the employer is going to give you back if you negotiate his union all these years, got to cut in wages because you got insurance. They're going to give back that money to the employee? Matter of fact, they will. Well, let me tell you something. For a socialist, you got a a lot more confidence in corporate America than I do. I thought that was a pretty good line. And that is the argument that Bernie's been making that, is pretty hard to buy. So if uh, if insurance was paid for by the government, that money that your your company was spending on insurance, they'd give to you. And I think you can count on that, working out that way. Um, some of the costs being thrown around for health care plans, $30 trillion. Holy cow, that's big money. Um, and, well, if the, if the companies don't give it to the employers, is it... Is there an argument to be made that that is... To the is, employees? Right, to the employees. Is there an argument to be made that that would be good for businesses because it takes the burden off of them and where it goes is is left up for debate. But if companies take that money and then make it more profits for them, I think that might be appealing. Am I wrong on that? Um, but Bernie's always making the argument that you're going to get make more money. Automatically, you will get that money in cash instead of then spending on the insurance, and I just don't think that that's the way it's going to work. Um, the companies will have more money to keep themselves, but there's there's so many costs involved in a government takeover of health care, and I was texting back and forth with Craig, the healthcare guru, last night on a number of these topics, um, it would quite possibly be a lot more expensive than thirty trillion dollars. He, he said there are estimates out there; there'll be more like forty trillion dollars. And the idea was it? I think it was Elizabeth Warren was making the argument that, and doctors would have more free time because they wouldn't have all this paperwork and everything. So you're going to move from the private sector to a to a government bureaucracy, and all of a sudden, paperwork's going to get better. Wow, what government bureau, what, what, what DMV do you go to where there's better paperwork 
in the government than there is in the private sector. Ask teachers about paperwork. That's a government thing, too, all these regulations. Um, really, really, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know how you come up with this view. Government takes over health care, and now they don't, the doctors don't have to fill out as much paperwork. That is just not the way it's going to work. Uh, but these these plans will get full scrutiny if one of them actually ends up the nominee. They're not getting full scrutiny now. I think there's a, well, there's a whole bunch of candidates to spread it around. And secondly, I think there's a lot of people that think, well, they're not going to be the nominee, so it doesn't make any difference. But if Bernie or Elizabeth ended up the nominee with these government takeover of health care plans, it's going to get the full scrutiny of all kinds of different account, uh, accountants and Trump and everyone else. And we really get into the nitty-gritty on the cost of this. But, oh, my gosh. Um, heck of a good argument, though. And I like the idea of um, why are you bickering with each other about the plan? Just make it clear. Hey, we're the Democrats. We believe health care is a right and should be paid for by taxpayers. They don't. That That's the argument you should make as a Democrat. We're the health care is a right party. They're not. The individual details of how you're going to get there, I don't think most people understand anyway and are certainly lost in the debate stage format, especially when you got one person gurgling like that. <laughs> Give me another cold cup of ranch dressing. Of climate change and transform our energy system. That's disgusting. Hock up your socialist loogie, my friend. 